Welcome to Tectonic Takes Podcast, Episode 3. We are doing something a little different today. We're recording on a Thursday afternoon here in California. And it's while I'm in San Diego, as always, it's not just San Diego this time, and it's not just me either. Introducing my new co-host, Fabian Renkel. How are you doing? Hey, how's it going? You know, I'm doing pretty well. It's pretty hot down here in San Jose or in the Bay Area. Yeah. Like, it's never this hot. <laughs> I know it is something. And when I went to uh, college in UC Davis, when I th- I thought summers in the Bay Area were hot, but in the Sacramento area, it gets really hot and it's dry heat too. So whenever I wasn't working during the summer, I got a chance to visit home. I would embrace that opportunity because if it was still hot, but different levels of hot. Yeah, definitely. It's like a drier heat, but. It wasn't too bad because there was a breeze, but a hot breeze is pretty weird. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> All right, so Fabi, like yeah. myself, we're very active among the San Jose Earthquakes community. We live and breathe San Jose Earthquakes, watch every game, and we enjoy keeping up with all the news and social media that we can with this club. And you're also Definitely. a season ticket holder, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a season ticket holder. Um, I've been for about three years. Um, it's been a great experience. We've been out there a lot. Um, every 4th of July, we always go to Stanford. It's been a great time with those fireworks. And that kind of got my family into it and basically got myself into it. Um, I I was I went to a game when I was younger, but, I again, I didn't understand what was going on and who, were, who we were watching, but it happened. So I became a Quakes fan. <laughs> oh, sweet. That's pretty cool. And yeah. if I ever move back to the Bay Area, that will probably be one of the first things I do, I'll guess, yeah. season ticket myself. Have you been to Avaya? Yeah, you have been to Avaya. Right. The most recent game I've been to, and it feels like ages ago now, it was the uh, Portland Timbers game at then Avaya Stadium. Oh, when when uh, when Quincy hit that like uh, that really long goal was was that the one? Uh, no, it was the one where Daniel Vega made a penalty save, and that was coming off a really tough start to the season, and Quick started to turn it around, and then they started get through that purple patch where they were winning games left and right. Oh, okay. So this was last year then? Yeah, last year. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, formerly known Avaya Stadium. Now we got to call it Earthquake Stadium. It's kind of like calling the Washington Redskins the Washington football team. <laughs> Washington FC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I want to give a quick shout out to Crystal Quadra-Fettler from the Facebook group. As she pointed out, after listening to our podcast episode two, that is now the Earthquake Stadium since, unfortunately, the sponsorship has ended. And hopefully that will be a quick habit that I can uh, rectify during this podcast and future podcasts. Yeah, don't worry. Even I got it wrong, and Taylor Twelman on ESPN got it wrong. So it's it happens, trust me. That's one thing that can unite uh, soccer Twitter when Taylor Twelman gets something wrong, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right. He didn't stop going to bat saying that we didn't spend any money. And every time I watched it, I was like, uh. He really drives the knife in. Like with Atlanta United, he keeps talking about how bad they are without Joseph Martinez. And 
with LA Galaxy, how bad their defense is. And, you know, when he's making fun of LA Galaxy, I like him. Because <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, yeah. Did you watch the MLS's back final? Did you take Did you take the time to see it? Oh, yeah, I did. It was great. Um, not two teams that many expected to get to the final. Portland, a few people actually did predict they would get to the final because uh, they were a bit more consistent than LA Galaxy in their group. And uh, LAFC, there was a few question marks with them. And those of you who did predict Portland, you were right. It was a bit of a safer bet than Orlando City, who yeah. haven't really done much right since they've become an MLS club, but here they were in this MLS Cup final. With Oscar Pereja at the helm, I mean, really nothing is impossible. He took FC Dallas and always made them a contender. Again, he works magic with barely anything to, with anything to really work with. Um, I wish – I mean – we had to run into Minnesota, but I feel like we could have been there too. <laughs> right, yeah. And th- of the few players that he could rely on in that tournament, uh, two of them scored goals in important games. Nani, of course, he didn't score in the final, but he got them to the final. Uh, yeah, Pereira, the Uruguayan DP, was scored the only goal in that game for Orlando. And Pedro Gallese, the Peruvian international, was great as always. But ultimately, Portland... They were a bit more of a balanced team, and I figured that they had enough options in their attack between Ebovice, Valeri, and Blanco, as yeah. well as a solid enough defense that I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt in this game. I predicted a 2-1 victory in the last podcast, and I was right for once. Yeah, no, you definitely hit it right on, right on the nail, so... Yeah, you know, Orlando City just looked dysfunctional the whole game. I mean, Diego Chara always has his way. I mean, he's a very physical player. It's been happening for the last six to seven years. I know it's us saying that as, as Earthquakes fans, but I know it's, it seems like there's no answer for Diego Chara. But, again, we see that in the final for MLS's back. Um, right. Yeah, and I mean, I think Pereiro had a great – tournament like on under the radar he was a great addition to that squad um i i know it's hard to fill those shoes that kaka left but he's definitely doing a great job as of right now right and so congratulations portland timbers on winning the mls's back tournament they were the only team in the final four teams in this tournament to have won an mls cup and so even though this isn't quite an mls cup they won the tournament that was presented to them and to all of MLS barring two teams. And before we continue, I uh, just want to do a quick fun game with you, Fabi. Uh, how good are you with soccer trivia? Uh, you know, <laughs> I think I'm a pretty big soccer fan, but I might, I might miss this one. I'm going to be honest with you. All right. So in my notes here, I have all 22 players that started that final as well as the nine used subs from both teams, oh, along with their nationalities. <laughs> so we could do this one of two ways. I can name a country, and you can tell me whether or not that country had a player in the final. Okay. Or I can go through the list of players, and you try to guess their nationality. Which one do you want to do? Uh, let's go with the first option. Let's go with the first okay. option. All right, sounds good. Um, all right, the first one, obviously, USA. Yeah. Um, so definitely, let's go with a USA player. I mean, oh my God, Mueller, right? Yeah, Chris Mueller from Mueller. Orlando was one of the several USA players represented. 
Yeah, and he looked great. I mean, he might be even a player for the U.S. national team national team pretty quickly. Um, that's another guy like, you know, Jackson Ewell that's just getting out there on the scene and Greg Bearhalter is looking at him. Um, all right, so another USA player. Whew. No, it's all right. Uh, yeah. You already he mentioned one, so okay. we already know that there's USA players in this final. I'll pick okay. a different country. Were there any Mexican players in this final? You know, I'm going to say no. No is correct. Yeah. All right. You so know, Portland's right back. I don't know his name, but that scared me. I forgot who that was, but I thought for a second he might have been Mexican, maybe played in, you know, Liga MX or something like that. So both Portland's fullbacks, uh, Chris Duval and Jorge Villafana, are Villafana. USA. That's right. Villafana did play in Liga MX for Oh, okay, okay. So I was like, did he did he choose USA or did he choose or is he Mexican? I think he I think he's Mexican American, yeah. but as far as FIFA goes, he's yeah. USA. Yeah, exactly. All right. Was there any Canadians in this final? Mm. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no on that one. There was a sole Canadian, the striker oh. for Orlando, Tesho oh, Akindele. Okay. Oh, I didn't. I forgot he was. I forgot he was Canadian. That's funny. All right. Was there any Costa Ricans in this final? Oh man, you're killing me right now. You're killing me. It's probably a sub, but I'm gonna say no. There was Marvin Loria started for Portland Timbers. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right. Was there a player from Panama in this final? Oh, let's see. Let's see. It was Annabelle Godoy out there. No. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you know, you're, 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 you're brutal right now. You're killing me. I'm going to say no again. There were no Panama players right. in this final. No Panamaniacs. Right. Okay. Was there a Brazilian in this final? Yeah, I think Urso Jr., right? Yeah, there was Urso Jr., yeah. there was Ruan, there was Antonio Carlos, so yeah. Definitely. There was definitely... I saw that name, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's Brazilian. No way. Was there a Colombian in this final? Oh. You know, you're, you're killing me. Again, I'm going to say no because I don't know. <laughs> you said his name earlier, Diego Chara. Oh, he's Colombian? I didn't even yeah. realize. <laughs> That's yeah, funny. there was also a sub used by Orlando, Santiago Patino. Mm, okay. Was there any Argentine in this final? Yeah, of course. Diego yeah. Valeri, Blanco. Yep. That one's easy. That one's easy. Yep, that's correct. Two of Portland's most important players. Yeah. Was there any Chilean in this final? Oh. Doesn't Portland have one? I think um, the name is the name is 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 slipping me. That's for sure. I know Portland does or might have one. But did they play in the final? No, and that's no. He did play. Felipe oh. Mora came off the bench. Oh. Okay, this one I kind of gave the answer earlier. Was there yeah. any Peruvians in this final? Yeah, Gallese. Gallese was in the final, and Andy Polo came off the bench. That's for right, Andy Polo. All right, and let's see. Was there any Ecuadorians in this final? That's a no. I mean, that I was think. a yes. Oh. Uh, Sebastian <laughs> Mendez oh, for Orlando. I uh, see. When I think Ecuador, I think Houston Dynamo, right? At least, <laughs> at least, he's crazy. Was I, there any Venezuelans in this final? Oh man! Oh my gosh! 
Um, no, I'm going to say no. There was none. There yeah. might have been if Joseph Martinez. Yeah, was I was going to say Joseph Martinez. In this tur tournament, none in this final. Was there a Uruguayan? Yeah, of course. Let's go. Pereira. Uh, yeah, Pereira. Yeah, yep. All right. Was there a Swede in this final? No. The starting center back for no, Orlando, right. Robin Jansen. That's right. That's right. Was there an English player in this final? Yeah, on the bench, Dom Dwyer, right? <laughs> so, remember, the answer is if they played. Oh, if they, so, played, they played. Unfortunately, no. Dom Dwyer was on the yeah. bench, but he did not play. He wasn't even one of the five subs used, interestingly. It, well, because um, he was injured. He was injured the whole time. So, right. Yeah. That's right. I forgot if he was injured or not. So, uh, let's see. I did horrible. Was I did horrible. An, was there an Irish player in this final? You know what's um, – yeah, I believe the other center back for Orlando City is Irish, right? O'Neal, I think it is. Shane O'Neal plays for Seattle now. So. Oh, man, I'm behind. <laughs> All right. I'm going to say no. Yeah, no is correct. Obviously, Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, Nani, that's pretty easy. Yep, and the left back, Joao Moutinho. Not to oh, that's right, Joao Moutinho. Yep. Wolves, Joao Moutinho. He's great. He's great. Right. Was there a Polish player in this final? Whew. I'm going to say no. Off the bench for Portland, Jaroslaw Niezgoda. <laughs> Killing me with that one. That one, I don't think anybody would ever get Unless we're talking about the Timbers podcast right now. Yeah. Was there a Serbian in the final? A Serbian? You know, it's funny. I think there's a Serbian. I think there was, but I can't. I, I I can't tell you the name. I I'm not good with nationalities when you talk. You about just have to say yes or no. Yeah, let's go with no. No is correct. Let's go. How about Croatian? Oh, was there a name ending with Modric or something? <laughs> itch. Well, is there an itch? No, I don't think so. He scored in this final. He scored the winning goal actually. Dario Zuperic. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going through, seeing if I missed any others. Um, was there a Spanish player in this final? I'm going to say no. Oreo Rossell was in this final. He started for Orlando. No. <laughs> All right. There are two nationalities left that I haven't called that are correct. Okay. Was there a Nigerian player in this final? Yes. No, it's, oh. there wasn't. Was there a Congolese player? I'm going to go with yes. Yep. The okay. other center back who scored, Larry's Mabiala. Okay. Okay. All right. Was there a Japanese player in this final? You know, I'm going to say I'm gonna say no. No is correct. Was yeah. there an Australian? You know, I'm thinking Portland has an Australian, so I'm going to say yes. No, you were thinking of Bill Tuiloma, the Kiwi. He's oh, from New Zealand. New Zealand, that's right. Yeah, that's why I sent Australian there. Yeah. So overall, you did okay. Oh. I honestly, <laughs> I didn't keep track because I just yeah. wanted to see, you know, how, okay. how you did with each country. So of the six confederations in FIFA, in this MLS's back final, there were five represented. 
There was oh, wow. CONCACAF players, Commonwealth players, UEFA players, one African player, and one Oceania player. Huh. So the only one that wasn't represented was an AFC player, where there's a couple in MLS, but they're not quite as common as some of the other confederations. So yeah. it's cool to see. Yeah, no, so, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I need to. I definitely need to get uh, uh, you know, accustomed to all the nationalities in MLS because I need to do a better job at that next time. Yeah, no worries. We'll do another uh, game like this next time as well. Yeah. For now, see. let's get into the uh, upcoming games for San Jose Earthquakes. Yeah, you know this this is gonna be a great opportunity for a lot of new faces to come into the squad. I think, especially at that goalkeeper position, we could probably see a new face anytime soon. Right. So the six games San Jose Earthquakes have scheduled. The first game comes up on August 26th at 7.30 p.m. All times will be Pacific Standard Time. They'll be hosting Portland Timbers in the Earthquake Stadium. And then three days after that, in a to-be-determined time, we'll be in Dignity Health Sports Park against LA Galaxy. So these games are going to come thick and fast. Yeah, what do you what do you think we can get out of those two games? I mean, that I mean, do you, th- you think we're going to see the same Galaxy LA Galaxy we saw in the tournament? Do you think the Portland Timbers are going to be kind of coming off that you know win high, or you know are they going to see something less of that Portland Timbers team that we saw that just dismantled Orlando? I feel like when it comes to Portland Timbers, they remind me of the San Antonio Spurs of the MLS in that they. Don't always they are capable of winning tournaments, but sometimes the, they do have a bit of a letdown, especially in the regular season. But they're very consistent, and you can never underestimate them. So, I think if we can get a point out of that opening game against Portland Timbers, that would be a good start. Just like in MLS's back tournament, you start against a tough team like Seattle Sounders, you're happy with the point. But it is a possibility the Timbers can win that tournament, uh, win that first game. LA Galaxy, on the other hand, I know that a lot of players can come in during this window, but they need a whole new defense, I think. So, and it's very rare that any team around the world purchases four new defenders in the transfer window. Yeah. So I think San Jose Earthquakes have to exploit that. That's a game that they really need to get three points from. If they have two games against LA Galaxy in this run of six games, a minimum of four points, I think, would be ideal against LA Galaxy right now. When, especially, we don't know what level of fitness Javier Hernandez will be at. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think if we take the Portland Timbers game and kind of attack it head on and come out with the point, I think everybody's going to be happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes when it comes against you know comes up that we're going to be against the LA Galaxy that time. Um, you know, it's the Cali Classico during COVID. So we definitely always want to get wins out of the LA Galaxy, especially when their back line is so depleted. Um, they haven't really, really gotten, you know, some, ba- or, you know, right back or left back since Ashley Cole has left to really fill those shoes. Um, you know, it's funny is that we're talking about Ashley Cole being a great MLS player when all he did was saying, you know, I'm going to be on LA uh, beaches all the time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, the LX Galaxy, it's always nice seeing Bingham let up a whole bunch of goals. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I see – I do see four points. I'm – you know, I want to say six points, but I, I know we're probably going to draw or lose to the Portland Timbers since they're so hot right now. 
Yeah, so after that, we have uh, LAFC, the San Jose Earthquakes will stay in LA for that next few days. They'll play LAFC at 7.30 p.m. at Bank of California Stadium. And then three days after, they head back to San Jose for the Colorado Rapids. Then they head further north five days after that, 7 p.m. against Seattle Sounders before wrapping up this slate of games with that second game against LA Galaxy in the Earthquake Stadium. Obviously, it won't be in Stanford this time since there will be no fans. But overall, some tough opponents. The easiest opponents look like Galaxy and Colorado Rapids, but can't underestimate them either. Yeah, you know, Colorado had a great start to their season, and they just dropped off during the MLS's back tournament. But they're a team that can just, you know, they were like the Philadelphia Union a couple of years ago. They could just get a win out of you. It's a trap game. And right. that – and that's something that is definitely a little on the scary side. But Seattle, on their hand, we play them pretty well in MLS's back. And I think if we had our, our finishing down, like closer to the end of the tournament, we could definitely, you know, steal three points from them. Um, but we don't know what Seattle team we're going to get. And that's the biggest thing. Um, Seattle likes to hide, really, basically hide in the standings until the end of the season, until they really can start seeing that MLS Cup in their, in their headlights. But again, I, I see out of this, you know, group of games to get, I want to say six points at least. If you can get six points out of these games, you're still a happy camper. I mean, we're sitting in a playoff spot. That should be enough to get into the playoffs. Six uh, points out of these four games? or Correct. The six points out of the four games. I would say we lose to LA, LAFC and lose to the Seattle Sounders, but we could win maybe – a Colorado, Colorado Rapids, and I think we'll get a full sweep on the Galaxy this year. I'm hopeful. Yeah, so I do think that a minimum of three wins and with a draw or two from these six games should be enough to get into the playoffs, and then from there, anything can happen. And it is important that San Jose Quicks do learn from some of their mistakes, and it's okay you can see a goal, but trying to concede a goal after scoring, like they did against Real Salt Lake, trying to can see goals early on or by mistakes and then you know whatever happens like if it's like a 2-1 or a 3-2 loss against the Seattle Sounders and it felt like Sam's Earthquakes were creating chances and players like Nicolas Ladero had a beautiful pass that led to a goal then you can live with that yeah at the end of the day it's going to come down to that's our biggest flaw I mean letting up a goal um that we scored a goal right before, or we let up another goal right before. For some reason, this team cannot understand. I guess they don't have the mental toughness to kind of recoup and just realize that it's just one goal. And I think Almeida will get to them eventually. Um, I think that will be installed engraved in them. And while the season goes on. Yeah. Another thing to note in this schedule is that most of the gaps between these games are three days. There's a four game, four day gap between Galaxy and LAFC. And then there's a five-day gap between the Rapids and Sounders the rest of three days. So whether Almeida likes who or not, and knowing Almeida, probably not, he will have to rotate a few players here and there. And he was able to get away with very little rotation in the MLS's back tournament because they did space out the games pretty well. But he won't have that luxury here. So how do you think – he'll do with that. Do you think that we'll see a game of rotation or will he try to 
playing most of the same guys in most of these games. Yeah, you know, the games come back – they come really quickly between games. It's about, like you said, five to three days. Um mm-hmm where he's going to have to change up the rotation. Um, I'm excited to see new faces out there. I'm excited to see possibly, you know, Cade Cowell out there starting a match. I'm excited to see Fierro starting a match. Um, I think Fierro had a good, a good tournament. Um, I liked his link up play with Wando. I thought that he's, he's good. It's just, I don't see that extra step that I see with Espinosa. Um, But I do want to see some new faces, especially on that back line. I think Flo is getting snubbed a lot for that starting lineup. I think he should should be in there. Um, But we'll see that with the rotation and the games that are coming quickly between each other. So, right, I agree. I think there are players on the bench that are capable of starting and capable of playing well. Kate Cal had a pretty good tournament in his appearances off the bench. I think he provided a lot of good energy. He reminded me of in the Euros in 2016 where, you know, whenever England got stuck in a rut, they brought on Marcus Rashford and then he was instant energy boost. And I think exactly. Kate Cowell can provide that. And Youngworth as well. Like with player, you have three at their best MLS starting quality center backs for two slots. So you shouldn't be afraid to maybe give Kashia or Alani some game off whether they have a bad game whether they're feeling fatigued because you know Youngwood can step up maybe it's too soon for the MLS draft pick uh, Tanner Beeson but you still have a good core with those three definitely no I I agree with you Um, I do want to see this man marking system succeed Um, as I heard on the you know everybody really talking about how we probably are going to see a new center back in I mean just because we do need a little bit faster center backs, unfortunately, with Al- mm-hmm. Almeida's system, um, it just it it might be that we we have another center back come in and we see two different pairings, um, and that will be good. It'll be it'll, it'll be a new fresh face to this lineup to help that back line, which struggled a bit during the tournament. Yeah, and one last thing for the schedule before going to some of the questions. Uh, so from Sports Illustrated, the uh, playoff. Uh, format. We're getting a little bit more information on that. So, of the 26 clubs in MLS, 18 of them will reach the playoffs. But the way it'll work, eight teams will go from the West, and those eight teams will be solidified, seeded one through eight. And then, of the 10 teams that make it from the East, seven through 10 will compete in some sort of play-in round to fill out the uh, final group of eight. And then it'll be just one-off games from there on out from the remaining 16 teams. So it's not the end of the world if you lose a game or two when most teams are going to the playoffs, but you do have to beat the teams that you are better than. And with all due respect to Colorado Rapids, I see them on the tier of like Vancouver Whitecaps or Chicago Fire that you can't underestimate them. You have to play well, but if you do play well, you should beat them. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, sometimes I would say it's kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde thing because we're in that group as well. <laughs> yeah. So, so I would say that, you know, when Mako is on, he's on. And then when Almeida's system is clicking, it is clicking. Um, but I guess we're going to have to go ahead and see when that season is upon us. In spots like this, if you're the opponent, can he sneak free? Salinas, Kasia, Rios, 
Jackson Ewell, Fierro, and Wondolowski. Holonese, whipping one in! So I had a quick question for you. Um, I like the questions that you said on the podcast before, but I kind of have one just to ask you. Um, who do you think is the worst player in the starting 11 for the Earthquakes? All right. I honestly don't even have to think too hard on this one if we're considering the entire starting 11 because, unfortunately, he is the scapegoat, but it is the correct answer. Daniel Vega is the weak link in the starting 11, but – you know, that's kind of a cop-out. So the next weakest player, it's a pretty tight race between Andy Rios and Guram Kashia for me. Um, I would give it to Guram Kashia simply because the problem for the San Jose Earthquakes wasn't scoring goals. And even though Andy Rios scored one of the luckier ones against Vancouver Whitecaps, he did technically do his job for at least one game, whereas Guram Kashia has been, you know, he's been sluggish and – he has, he's been easily beaten by a lot of the forwards that they face in the MLS back tournament. How about for you? Yeah, so I actually had a – yeah, I, I was wondering what's up with the Andy Rios. Hey, I, uh, I, I think he, he does an okay job. I mean, he, he does a good job because, in my opinion, I think he does a great – he's a great combo with Wando. I truly think he's a different style than Wando. So when Wando comes on, the center backs really aren't ready for what Wando is. Um, so I was like, oh, why does, you know, why does Ivan hate on Randy Rios so much? But, no, he, he could score some more goals. I, I, I totally understand that. And he's not the flashiest of players like a Danny Hoosen when he scores a screamer. But, you know, I'm going to go with a little bit of a hot take. Um, I, think, I think Vega is the scapegoat, and I think everybody knows that can be a better player. But I think Yudsen has not had a good tournament. Mm. I think he was truly a big part of why we did not look sound defensively. Um, I, I'm not a part of the Yudsen hate club. I think he's a great compliment to, you know, you know, like Dom says it on Quakes After 90, Action, Action Jackson. You know, I think, mm-hmm. I, think he's a, I, think, I think they're a great combo. It's just he was having some really bad mental lapses during that tournament. And I hope they clear up. But, again, we might have to be looking for another defensive midfielder. Right. And that is a very important role to have in MLS with so many attacking DPs. And even the non-DP players, there are some good attackers. Like, you know, when you have players like Ayok and Dola who can score three or four goals and he just came out of nowhere in this tournament, that's when you know that not only do you need a good back line, but – you need a good holding midfielder as well. And the team that knocked out San Jose Earthquakes, Minnesota United, have one of the best in the league in Osvaldo Alonso. So yeah, if we could get someone like him of that quality, that would be great. And maybe Judson could still be that player, but right now he definitely has to improve. No, I completely agree. I think – you know what's funny is I, I thought um, – what what was the defensive midfielder's uh, name again that you said he played for Seattle and now Minnesota? Osvaldo Alonso. Osvaldo Alonso, that's right. I thought he was gonna you know fall off a bit when he went to Minnesota, but no, he's taken he's taken that team to the next level. Um, he's been great for them. Yeah, and he's been so good because Minnesota United have pretty good center backs, players like Chris Boxel and Ike Parr when he's healthy. So he gives them 
a few extra touches in their own half and the ability to go forward on set pieces and stuff while he hangs back. So it's pretty good. Yeah, as well as Aha. I mean, Aha is back there when Michael mm-hmm. Parra isn't, and he steps, he fills those shoes right away. I mean, there was, I mean, they didn't even need Michael Parra really to to beat us again really badly. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely. I think I think Yudsin, going back to the point, I think if we if we don't see better better you know games out of Yudsin, we might be looking at a new defensive midfielder. All right, and then the next question that we have here is. Who could we see leaving the club in the next two years? And in a league like MLS, the teams do change pretty frequently because there's all sorts of uh, free agent drafts. There's expansion drafts, and we have four clubs coming into MLS in the next three years. So there's a good chance we lose players to expansion teams like we had Annabelle Godoy go to Nashville. Um, so the obvious ones. I can't see uh, – definitely not Chris Wondolowski, but I can't see Shea Salinas being here in two years from now. I think within that period they'll retire as San Jose Earthquakes. And we'll, yeah, I think uh, – go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I think, I think the same thing as you had. I, if, if an expansion draft happens, I think Shea Salinas sees the writing on the wall and he, and he might retire before that happens. I do mm-hmm. really want to see him retire in a Quakes jersey. Yeah, the only other exception for me – and I am a bit biased because I did see them play when I went to UC Davis. I wouldn't mind seeing Shea Salinas play an MLS game for Sacramento Republic, but they're coming in in 2023, so that might be a bridge too far for him. You know, that would hurt. That would really hurt, all right? <laughs> That's going to be our new rival since El Trafico has taken over. It's a weird situation because they were once the affiliate club for San Jose Earthquakes, and then that became Reno. So right. it'll, it could be a rivalry. But it would be like in a way like in I'll use NBA as an example again. Like I don't see the Kings as a rival the same way I see the Lakers or the Clippers, you know, is especially the Clippers given that the Clippers and Warriors were good at the same time. But yeah, yeah it is know, possible. You know it's funny, I was talking this is a Quakes podcast and let me yeah, I know. say this something really quickly. Someone told me that the Lakers are the Warriors' biggest rival and I looked at <laughs> and I was like, Wait, what? I mean, watching the Clippers with CP3 and Blake Griffin versus the Warriors, I think. And if Houston is a rival, that's a rival too. So, um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, the Lakers aren't too much of our rival. All right, back to the question. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, yeah, that would be an interesting situation. Other players, like, I think we'll probably have a completely different striker core in two years. Like, Danny Husen and Andy Rios could be gone by then. Um player that if he doesn't leave this window he could be gone by then too Magnus Eriksson and yeah those are some less obvious players I could see gone by then one player or a couple players that I think could be gone because they move on to uh, other leagues uh, players like Jackson Ewell and Christian Espinoza I think I could see them transition from the Quakes I hope not I hope maybe we win something before that happens but we'll see you know, it, does, it never occurs to me that we might lose good players. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. we might lose a Christian Espinoza to a bigger team, like maybe something in the championship or something in, you know, the Premier League, or even he can go back to Villarreal. Um, but that scares me. That really does scare me. 
But I was, yeah, you know, the person that I truly don't see here in two years, I would say is Jackson Ewell. I think Jackson mm-hmm. Ewell will move on to a bigger club. And I hate to say it, and I really do, but I hope we have a good replacement for him. Ian Russell found him. It was like a diamond in the rough. I, that season was kind of, we thought, you know, not going to go anywhere. I think it was the season where we lost Dom Kinnear as our head coach, where we thought, right. you know, this season's tanked. But we made the playoffs, and we, we found this star player that is Jackson Ewell. I really do – see, this is where I'm torn. I think he would do a great job for the U.S. men's national team, but I still want to see him with my quakes. But I know to grow, he's going to have to leave. Another player that I do see like that, and I hope they have a great bounce-back year, is actually Nick Nalima. I think mm-hmm. Nick Nalima could eventually move on to a bigger club if he does have that bounce-back year this year. Yeah, I see Nick Lima and Tommy Thompson in that category where, like, they are good enough to possibly – move on to, a, you know, whether it be a more consistently tiled contending MLS team or maybe a, a bigger league, but they could be, like, good enough to lead but not good enough to play meaningful minutes there. So it might be in their best interest to play with the Quakes for their considerable future, to be week-in, week-out starters, to be within the U.S. men's national team conversation. And maybe they could be a part of this – Quakes team that can accomplish some good things. Yeah, you know, Tommy Thomas is never leaving. I'm not letting him. <laughs> he's our longest standing, you know, Quake. So I, yeah. I think he's going to eventually get that captain armband, and he's going to be our guy. And, and that's cool. At the right back, I like him. You know, I think he's a great player. Um, I, he's a great, great guy. You know, I met him in person. He's always delighted to see a fan, and I think he's truly, truly what the Quakes want in a player. Yeah, uh, Black and Azul podcast, they had some great interviews over the last few weeks, and uh, they mentioned that Tommy Thompson could be a future captain for the Quakes, and I totally see it. The way he talks in that interview and the way he talks in just interviews in general and the way we see him interact with other players on the field, I definitely see that. And another interview that they had with Ian Russell, I think Ian Russell deserves a lot of credit over in uh, Reno. He's doing a great job. and He's building a good team for them at USL championship level, but also he's building players that can cut it in the MLS level with San Jose Earthquakes. It's a tricky job to play, uh, be a head coach in a USL club that is an affiliate because a lot of your expectation is you're producing quality players for that MLS club, but that whether you're doing it well in San Jose Earthquakes, what what are you doing in Reno? Like, you're doing a great job, and he deserves credit. And if for no other reason than to see what players stand out in Reno, like Kevin Partida, for example, I think all Quicks fans would benefit a lot from at least following the USL. I'm not saying watching every game that appears on TV, uh, but uh, checking some scores here and there. Yeah, you know, I uh, I was out in Reno before all this happened, and I and I unfortunately didn't get to see the game. But I if if you know COVID goes away, which is oh, for a while, but I would love to go out there and see a game. I think uh, Ian Russell does a great job with with the squad. Do you remember a time when the Quakes had Sean Francis out and left back? You know, it, 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 <laughs> we've come a long way. So right, yeah. So our USL affiliate is definitely doing a great job to you know make our players ready for the MLS. Right, and you never know. There's a lot of good players in USL. Uh, Tommy Thompson, he played for Sacramento Republic. I got to see him play there. 
and uh, he ended up making his way back to San Jose Earthquakes. He's one of the key, the key players here. And over here locally in San Diego, they got a USL team this year called San Diego Loyal. And they have a few players that are recently removed from MLS, particularly the, their goalkeeper, John Kempen, that he could still do a job, whether maybe a star in the future or a very capable backup MLS keeper. He's doing work in San Diego right now. Yeah, San Diego does need a pro sports team since the Chargers left. So, or they have the Padres, but <laughs> you know, a USL team led by Landon Donovan is probably going to get a lot of a lot of fans to come out. Yeah, that is really cool. I think uh, Landon Donovan and uh, all the player people there at San Diego Loyal are doing a good job to give the soccer fans here in this city, you know, something to root for. Uh, I listen to Fair Weather podcasts as well. They're the San Diego Loyal podcast here on the Beautiful Game Network. They do a great job covering their team there as well. And just anywhere in California, but San Diego especially, like, has a good soccer culture there. I play pickup games there all the time. Uh, whenever I watch uh, MLS games or other big uh, European games, there's a lot of people that are – cheering and watching as they're eating or drinking. So it's really cool to see. Having lived in three different parts of California, now San Diego, along with the Bay Area and the Sacramento area, there's a lot of soccer fans, and it's great to see all these different places represented. Yeah. Now how do we get them to be Quakes fans so we can get (laughs) more money to buy some players? I'm flying the flag down here. Don't worry. I'll see if I can recruit a few people. Yeah, definitely. Um, So – who do you think is realistically going to be the position of the very next San Jose Earthquake signing? You know, I think this, I think we all know what's coming. The writing's on the wall. Magnus Eriksson's on his way out. And if we don't replace him with anybody, I think we're in big trouble. I hope, I hope they have something up, up their sleeve with this transfer window. Um, I saw some, some, I think it was Taylor Twelman asking um, Don Garber if he believes that, you know, because everybody, all the other leagues are being affected by COVID. If we can get some talent on the cheap. And Don Garber thought, you know, we could possibly get more talent because of the COVID since our league is still standing and still playing. Um, so I truly do think that I hope the Quakes take advantage of the situation um, and get some good talent. Yeah, I think if we do move on from Magnus Eriksson, there was a couple of players that I was thinking about replacing him. and. As a Mexican-American, the ideal, like, transfer would be if they got Andres Guardado from Real Betis. But since Real Betis is still – they're doing well in the Spanish league and Guardado is still a bit of a key player there, I don't think he's incentivized to go to MLS just yet, but it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, when Chicharito finally came over to the MLS, it was it was kind of lackluster. I mean – if Wardado waits too long, I think the, the ship might sail before he gets here. So definitely now is a great time to come over here. Uh, Chicharito just doesn't have the, the power anymore. He doesn't have the fight in him. And I guess we'll see what happens this year, but I don't see what I like out of Chicharito, especially coming after Zlatan when Zlatan was that good for that team. And then Chicharito unfortunately isn't that good yet. I mean, as of what we've seen so far, I think an Andres Guardado should come over sooner than later. All right. Yeah, that kind of leads into my next question. And uh, 
the super cholo uh, from Twitter at G Delenkness asks, um, he's concerned that the DP slots will exclusively go to Chivas rejects rather than quality South American talent, such as Bebelo Reynoso, who Minnesota United have signed from Boca Juniors, or at least are linked to, I believe, uh, or Cecilia Dominguez, who is being linked to the expansion team, Awesome FC. Uh, so if you didn't have a, an ideal transfer in mind, Sam's Earthquakes, would you be kind of satisfied to just say, unnamed young South American player here? Well, I mean, look, look, at, look at Diego Rossi for LA. <laughs> I mean, that guy, I think, um, you know, my family is Uruguayan, so I always keep up with the Uruguayan news. But Diego Rossi and Brian Rodriguez, those two guys, they were on a, you know, a, a Uruguayan World Cup squad for, I think it was a under-20s. And they right. went all the way to the final. So why aren't we looking at those games and bringing those guys in? That's what I want to know. That's why I don't understand, especially with Almeida. We could get some Argentinian guys in. I think we could. Um, but, again, young South American talent should be in our forefront. But it's kind, of, it's kind of weird that we didn't do that ever since before Almeida. I mean, I think it's kind of a safe bet to go with the South American talent that's in a world, you know, sub-20 World Cup instead of going with, I hate to say it, but like a – a European player that hasn't really proven himself. I think I know who we're all talking about. <laughs> I, I truly do think that a young, this league is going in that direction of getting young South American talent and being a springboard to a bigger league. I think that's a good, good pace for us right now. I think a good model for success for San Jose Earthquakes, as well as MLS teams in general, is that while it might be the, attempting to get a Nani level player in terms of talent, in terms of name recognition, but look through every nook and cranny in some of these leagues, South American leagues, and Liga Mekis, in some of the B or C tier European leagues, like Scandinavian leagues, Belgium, Switzerland, uh, you'll find some good players there, or Scotland even, and those are players that you know, if their club maybe doesn't make it to European football for a season or two, they might be looking for a new challenge, eager to prove themselves. And there's players from all different countries that play in MLS and they're getting national team consideration and caps. So it, MLS is becoming a good league to come to. And you can stay here for a couple of years and then maybe move back to Europe or move back to South America. Or you can stay here for a while and then, you know, you can really carve out a good career here and win some trophies. Yeah, I think we kind of saw how the Swedish league, the quality of play was when Magnus Aronson was the Golden Boot winner and then he came over here. I think right. fans have a kind of like a, a firm grasping on how that that league is really, really tiered. Um, but I don't think – do you think Magnus Aronson's um, time here was a failure? Do you think he did a good job? I think he did a satisfactory job. I don't think he transformed San's Earthquakes. He's not necessarily the reason why they were playing so well, nor is he the reason why they were struggling so badly. He scored a lot of goals from penalties, scored some crucial goals. But I think that he's definitely an important enough player that you can't just be like, okay, he's gone. We'll stick Luis Felipe or someone else in. Right. I, I think he did his job. I truly – I mm -hmm. do think he did a good job. It's just 
unfortunately, I think the league is moving faster than we think. And mm-hmm. when LAFC just brings in this guy named Diego Rossi from Uruguay, that's just pouring in goals. When even when Carlos Vela isn't there, we kind of see the the difference in teams over just two years. I think the biggest thing is San Jose Quicks can't be complacent. I think that they were a bit too happy to give a lot of these players another second chance here this season and chalk up the end of that last season in 2019 as a disaster that could never happen again and give everybody the benefit of the doubt this time around. But you have teams like LAFC again who they scored a crap ton of goals and they added Bradley Wright Phillips. Like every No one's – being complacent if they are trying to win trophies in this league. No, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Besides Atlanta United, right? They, uh, (laughs) (laughs) a few too many players slip away. Um, The other question here, um, how distracted is ownership right now? Because the Quakes and the Oakland A's do have the same owners um, right now with the Oakland A's, they're trying to get Oakland to purchase a new stadium. And uh, Caval, the uh, owner, uh, he uh, El Superchola believes that he is mismanaging the earthquakes. Do you think that you can trace the problems or what's keeping Quakes from reaching that next step back to yeah. him? Yeah, so actually Caval was the president for the Quakes, and now he's the president of the A's. Mm-hmm. Um, Fisher is the owner for for the quakes my apologies yeah yeah, no worries um so i think the biggest problem is getting that stadium deal done i mean that's a Mm -hmm. lot of money if we're if they're not going to get any money from the you know the city and i think unfortunately the quakes are feeling a little bit of that um i don't think we're ever going to splash on someone until that stadium deal gets done or the quakes get sold um Mm -hmm. i've been i love my san jose earthquakes but i've been a long time long time pusher or at least person that wanted at least some Bay area kind of marketing for this team. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, the Bay area is a great place. We have, I mean, the warriors out here, we have the tech companies out here, great weather. We should mm-hmm. be able to get some foreign stars. That's why I never understood why LA seems such, I mean, I understand why LA is an attractive area as well as Miami, but I still think we should be getting more stars or more looks than we are getting. Right. Um, and I, I agree, and I am a big fan of all of the East Bay teams, or in the Raiders' case, formerly East Bay teams. So uh, the stadium subject is kind of sore for me because they tried to get a new stadium for the Raiders or have that figured out. They couldn't figure it out, so they went to Vegas. And the Warriors, they went from Oakland to San Francisco. So for many reasons, I am hoping that that And for the Oakland A's is resolved, especially from a Quakes perspective, which we both care about. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, that is unfortunate. Yeah, so the next question was, can someone take over Magnus Erickson's role based on if he does leave on the roster? Yeah, this came from at Taco 707 or Eric Santiago on Twitter. Thank you for the question. Um, and this is under the assumption that Magnus Erickson – could leave this year or next year is looking like this year. But uh, I think we covered that if Magnus Eriksson does leave, he's not like an MLS all-star, but he is 
a good player on this roster that we can't just like throw someone like Luis Felipe into that slot and just expect him to become that player overnight either. No, I agree. I agree. All right. So you can take this next one. Yeah. So with the firing of Chivas head coach Luis Fernando Tena, will Chivas try to go get Almeida back? Um, that's kind of like the rumor reel going around Liga MX. Are you ready for another off, or a whole another season of it? Will Almeida leave? Yeah. And this is another interesting scenario for me. Uh, I am Mexican-American. When it comes to MLS, I obviously grew up in the Bay Area, so I became a San Jose Earthquakes fan. My family comes from Jalisco, so they love Chivas as well, and I ended up becoming a Chivas fan as well. So it was both a good thing and a bad thing for me when Matias Almeida became the San Jose Earthquakes coach because it's great for Earthquakes, it's bad for Chivas. Unfortunately, this is FIFA where you can coach two teams at the same time. But, um, yeah, every time Almeida – or is mentioned in a tweet, or he tweets himself on Twitter. It's just so many replies from Chivas fan saying, come back, we love you. And that pressure will only mount and mount. And we'll see what happens. I like to think that Matias Almeida, he's got some unfinished business still with San Jose Earthquakes. And he's not just going to come back to Guadalajara on the drop of a hat. But We'll see. It's going to be something to consider for the next few uh, months. So, so how about this? I have a question for you then. If the Quakes make the playoffs and get out in the first round, does he stay? I think if he makes the playoffs, if he gets out the first round, I think – I want to think that if he makes the playoffs in general, that he stays because it shows that this team – is improving and this team is capable. I would feel a lot better about it if they can win a playoff game, especially because in this format, eight Western Conference teams are going to the playoffs. So if you make it to the playoffs this year, it's like, okay, you were decent or not horrible. But would that be good enough for Matias Almeida? I think a lot of it depends like who knocks the Quakes out and how they go out. Yeah. Let's say we get Minnesota and we go out 4-1 again. What happens? I think that could possibly push him <laughs> to reconsider his future here, to be yeah. honest. But I think he's also the type of person that he takes the blame. He's not just going to be like, okay, I'm a good coach. These players aren't good enough to beat Minnesota United. But, um, yeah, it's going to be tough. I think whenever – they play Minnesota or even LAFC in this next run of games again, there needs to be considerable improvement because these two teams in particular have picked the Quakes apart on numerous occasions. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's – you know, I, I might think he leaves if he doesn't get enough financial backing. I think it comes down to will he have the pocketbook to succeed. And I think mm -hmm. we have a good enough squad – that we're missing one to two dynamic pieces that would really make a difference. I think we would really be up there against the Seattle Sounders if we had a Lodato type player. Um, but again, I do think he might leave if he doesn't have the back support. All right. No one can question a person with this Twitter handle. If they're a Quakes fan at Jason 408, Eli Sandoval Jr. asks if we, if we would consider the MLS's back tournament a success and should be used in future seasons. 
And he also asked about Magnus Ericsson, but uh, we covered Magnus Ericsson enough, so we'll focus on the first part of this question. Um, he kind of leaves it open-ended if MLS back tournament was a success from a league perspective or from a place perspective. I'll briefly do the league perspective. I think it has to be a success. This is a very difficult time to host a tournament with so many different teams. You had the early setback with uh, FC Dallas and Nashville, but other than that, you had a well-run World Cup-style tournament that it got fans interested and involved, and you ran from start to finish. It, I'm not a fan of some of the refereeing decisions, but I am a fan of the transparency in the VAR audio that we got and the thought process behind some of those calls. And ultimately, it was a pretty good tournament. We got some shock results. We got some good performances. Um, wait, from a Quake's perspective, though, they got to the quarterfinals. They beat the likes of Whitecaps, Chicago Fire, Real Salt Lake, while drawing to Seattle Sounders and then getting knocked out by Minnesota. Would you consider that a success? Yeah, well, they, they, they basically beat the teams we should have beat. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm in between about this one. I, I, really, I really think we, we should have made that semifinal if Almeida changed up his style again. The, Minis- the Loons were definitely hurt. I mean, they didn't have Ike Opara, and mm-hmm. we should have took advantage of that. So I think it's a success on the league standpoint. I think the ratings are great. I think they should do it every maybe every two years to kind of mm-hmm. keep up this kind of tournament style. Cause I think people loved it. I mean, they got a lot of ratings. I got a lot of people asking me about the quakes that truly aren't quake fans. And I was right. like, Oh wow, that's perfect. I mean, this is doing it for Americans that watch the world cup. A whole bunch of Americans watch the world cup. They just don't mm-hmm. watch the MLS. And I think that does a great job. So if we have this every two years, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I think the quakes on the other hand, I, I think this is a failure. I do. I really do. I think they should have gone to the semifinals and especially to bow out like that. I think, we had a lot more going for us, and at the end, it became a failure. Yeah, it is an interesting situation. Minnesota United are currently the only team to beat San Jose Earthquakes in 2020, as strange as that sounds. Um, they were also missing their starting right back, uh, Metinere, the Malaga- Madagascar International. So that is also disappointing. It's disappointing that we've lost to Minnesota again by a three-goal margin. There was no uh, – viable improvement in what in the scoreline or in the performance so I think the Quakes did a okay job I think getting to the quarterfinals getting further than teams like the Seattle Sounders is kind of nice but you can't just hang your hat on that and think okay the job is done we can't we don't need to improve anymore you still have to improve and I think a lot of teams in MLS will feel that way as well. Like Seattle Sounders, they won the MLS Cup in 2019, but they got destroyed by LAFC. So they're going to look within themselves to improve and the Quakes got to do the same. Definitely. Um, Yeah, so moving on to the next question. So the Earthquakes are going to accept fan work. We actually forgot to say this at the top uh, of the news hour, but if they are going to accept fan artwork, this season because they're not letting in fans. Ivan, do you think letting in some fans is a good idea right now? Um, I like what the Quakes are doing with the fan artwork. I think there's so many different ways, and we've seen throughout MLS 
to safely allow fans to interact with these games, showing their tweets, showing their videos on the screens, uh, doing these drive-in watch parties across the league, accepting fan artwork is going to be great. But um, we'll, I'll just say it now. The game yesterday between Nashville and FC Dallas, they allowed fans in the stadium. That was the first game uh, in any American sports league to have fans present at the stadium of the team sports, at least. Yeah. And um, I don't know how I feel about that other than just sheer disappointment, especially because these are the two teams that they were forced to withdraw from the tournament because of COVID-19 situations. Right. So you're rewarding these two teams for not following the rules with the first game back with fans. It just doesn't make sense. I think it's still too soon, particularly when there's so many markets in MLS, which still have large amounts of cases. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's a little too soon. I think the Texas Rangers and the Major League Baseball were also really pushing for, um, for fans. So I guess that, that big state of Texas just wants to get their fans back really fast. But mm -hmm. I saw a couple of memes that were pretty funny. I mean, uh, FC Dallas having 3,000 fans was just a normal, a normal Saturday for them. <laughs> and that was that was pretty funny but no i definitely i definitely think they're doing the, the fo for the quakes are making a great decision by making it no fans that turn up um along with that they're letting season ticket holders kind of submit a message to um the players that will be on the player tunnel um i got the i got to take advantage of this situation due to the fact that i'm a season ticket holder but on my message i actually already turned it in i just put wando um, don't leave yet. Don't finish that career on this or iconic career on this year. And that's right. what I wanted to say, because that's the only thing I really could think of that would be kind of appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is a pretty good message. I think because this wasn't a full MLS season, Wando hasn't had to play 34 games. Maybe he'll have enough for the next season too. But yeah, it's just one of those things like, Whenever Wando retires, it's going to be a sad day, and it's going to be like, no, don't go. Like, lock the doors. Don't let that man leave. Yeah, I, I really hope they do build a, a statue out front. I think he truly deserves it. And I, I want him to play in the league as long as possible so no one touches that record. Because it, it's, it's really possible that no one touches that record due to the fact that we're becoming a springboard for talent to go on to overseas. Um, yeah, and I – it's it he's a closer i mean like like the podcast i think it was um uh, um black and Azul. Right? yeah yeah they went ahead and they said he's a closer and it's true um he, mm -hmm. he's always done really well when center backs are tired and we could use that sort of offensive mindset to get in those little holes and get those goals off of his knees you know we could always use that for a long time I think there's right. a Japanese player that's a 53 years old or something like that. So, Wando, please consider for the next 15 years to be on our team. Right. And then the last point uh, is kind of weird ending it on a non-Earthquakes note, but it is worth mentioning that uh, Adama Diomande made a very tough decision to terminate his LAFC contract because I believe he has a family member with COVID. So he put his family first in that situation. He's no longer an MLS or an LAFC player. And it felt good to see that situation. Like, obviously, I would love him for him to continue playing. I don't want anyone to end their career or terminate a contract prematurely. But especially, 
MLS should be paying attention to this as they allowed clubs the option whether or not to have fans for their upcoming games, that if players are making these decisions right now, then that should make a light bulb go off in the MLS ownership's uh, brains that it's too soon to have fans, I think. Yeah, I believe in, in wake of this, um, I saw a couple of reports come out that the MLS need to make a opt-out system if the players do not want to play this year. Um, hopefully they offer him a contract back when all this is over, mm-hmm. but you don't want to see that happen to someone unfortunate. That's, that's just a great player being lost to a very, very unfortunate event. Um, I, prayers go out to his family and, and himself. That's just right. – un, it's not news you want to hear every day. Yeah, exactly. When it comes to these sorts of things, like it doesn't matter what club you support or how what level of a fan you are, like you feel for him, you feel for everyone involved. And it's not a decision we hope players have to make, but it is a decision that athletes across the world have had to consider. And it sucks. And we do have to be very thankful in this period to have sports to watch because there's a lot of people that are making sacrifices for our entertainment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that and that wraps it up for us today. Right. Um, it was uh, it was a big pleasure to be on this podcast. I, I'm great. I'm excited to be on it for many years to come. I hope we yeah. do this a lot. Right. So, Thank you for joining me, Bobby. It feels great to have a co-host, and it really does add to this conversation. And we look forward to the next podcast. Um, we'll see if I can be in the very next one because my birthday is on August 21st. So we'll be taking some time off from this project, but, uh, if it lines up, maybe I'll be able to record. If not, uh, I hope everyone has a good time, enjoys whatever sports are available and is doing the best they can during the situation. Yeah. And everybody, please stay safe. Again, we can't wear a mask. Don't be that guy. Right. Um, yeah. be, be safe. And, uh, we are a new podcast, so if you could rate us, definitely, and uh, make sure that you can get this word out because we want to be your guys' voice out here. I feel like we can get some Quakes questions in our in these podcasts so we can truly voice your guys' opinions. Um, you can follow me at The Real Quaker on Twitter um, if you have any questions or comments you want to make on the podcast, and I think the same goes for Ivan. Yep, you can follow me on Twitter at Ivan Ornelas2, I-V-A-N-O-R-N-E-L-A-S, number two, or on Instagram at IvanTheWriter95. Thank you. Take care, guys. Take care. Bye. Espinoza trying to get inside of Francisco Cabo. Espinoza, there we go. We needed it. Christian Espinoza just his third goal in 35 games for the earthquake since the beginning of last season and the spark that we've been waiting for we get